Hi, this is Betsy Foldesmeinen. I'm the producer of Connect-A-Pod. We've been in residence these past nine months at the Village Family Services Drop-In Center for Homeless Youth, working there with the Tay, transitional-aged youth, ages 14 to 24, mostly remotely throughout the entire pandemic. Through our individual interviews, we've represented many of the challenges that led these youth to fall into homelessness, from substance abuse to trauma to the maze of foster care, the Tay in this program are in different parts of their recovery. From Lupe Cerda, who is just beginning the hard work of coming to terms with past trauma in rehab, to Ricardo Cobian, who you heard last week, who has just aged out of the program. He's doing really well, and he's exhibiting his art at Saatchi. All of them have changed the narrative of what it means to be homeless youth. All of them have used the program at the DIC at the Village to create a new narrative. Part of that new narrative will be told in a mural that we're now creating with artist Levi Ponce. And we'll have more on that next week. But today, to bring all of these individual stories together, I want to conclude the interview portion of this series with Alejandro Soria. He's the director of the program at the DIC. He is a whirlwind of energy and action. He's going to give us an overview of everything that the DIC offers and how this program changes lives. Here's Alejandro. Today we're in our COVID studios, which means we have our mobile studio set up outside the, of the DIC. A la fresco. <laughs> a la fresco, right? <laughs> so you're probably going to hear the the, uh, the gardener just stopped, so hopefully that will be, yeah. that'll be good. We might hear some traffic, but other than that, it's a beautiful day here. Hopefully we can pick up some birds. Yeah, right? Oh, there we go. Sounds of L.A., yeah. right? Um, so we've had a few of the Tay now with the interviews, and uh, so I thought maybe we should take a moment and we should talk about some of the things that they've brought up as it pertains to homelessness with youth. I should probably introduce you, right? That would be good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Alejandro Soria. He is our collaborator here at the DIC and the reason that we are here. So why don't you tell them a little bit more about your qualifications and what you actually do here? I'm here at the Drop-In Center. It's run by the Village Family Services. I'm the Director of Recovery and Wellness. The Drop-In Center is one of my programs. And I have uh, a few other programs, but they're all targeted towards working with and reducing boundaries to homelessness with our youth, with our Tay transitional age youth. Our youth here at the Drop-In Center ages 14 through 25. You're the director of the program, but you are mm -hmm. also... I'm a trained uh, clinician. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist, an LMFT. You also have your own private practice, correct? I do, I do. Yeah. I have a, a private practice in the city of San Fernando. Yeah. Can I mention the name more? Yeah, sure. It's a Hope Therapy and Wellness, providing yeah. individual, couples, family therapy. Yeah. I also do immigration evaluations, mm -hmm. psychosocial evaluations. I opened up the practice right before uh, COVID hit. Like you mentioned, I'm putting all my skills to work here at the Drop-In Center, from when I was a telemarketer in college down to being a therapist now. You know, so yeah. it's been working well. But I do miss the the individual face to face, the actual therapy, yeah. and the, the really the healing work that I that I was doing in a in a personal space. So I really like liked it. Yeah, when yeah. we talked about when we were bringing in changing the narrative, the whole point of changing the narrative is to work with youth to examine the stereotypes that exist around them, mm -hmm. and then to create that new narrative that is right. more nuanced and accurate. Right? right. You are such a good counselor that when we were speaking with all of the youth that we've spoken with, their stories really kind of come alive, and yeah. you really kind of help them. And I could see what a difference it makes to have someone like you interacting oh. with them. Mm -hmm. No, seriously. Thank I mean, you. You, you can see their whole demeanor would change yeah. around you, and I oh. see that throughout what you're doing when the position became available and I wasn't sure if I was qualified for directorship <laughs> but 
it came really natural. I really did did understand the environment these youth are being brought up in. I was born in Mexico, but as when I was about a year old, we migrated to the United States. I was raised in Wilmington, Wilmington, California, and. Uh, and was, where is that? Right? It's um, if you go down the one the the one ten freeway, generally. you don't have to South give me the Bay. <laughs> well, we say South Bay, but then people think San Francisco. It's part Carson, of Carson, San Pedro. Okay, it's in the it's the heart of the harbors. But yeah, I, I grew up in that. In it, I would hear about East LA and Compton, and didn't think we were in in the hood. But you know, once we were, <laughs> once you grow up and you realize, huh. We were surrounded by gangs. The family was gang-related, and there was so much substance use around us that it was it become normalized. That didn't you don't realize it until you step out of it. And that's how I relate with these youth. We have youth that are homeless, sleeping in the park, haven't changed uh, clothes, don't have anywhere to shower, and they still don't consider themselves homeless. You know, it's not until we provide an opportunity or we take them out of their environment that they can later look back and go oh my gosh I, I yeah I was homeless and, and it's such a long journey I was working already here as a director and criteria changes from different you know agencies LAUSD has one definition for homelessness LA County has another definition DMH has a different definition when I go down the list and I'm thinking huh <laughs> I was very close to being homeless, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, you don't realize how, like our youth here don't realize what their situation is or how bad it is until yeah, we provide them with a different. And I remember when we were talking about this program and what we were going <clears> to <throat> do with Connectapod and um, I was waiting for you to say, and, and um, this is all designed through a narrative therapeutic approach. And you didn't mention anything, and I, I remember saying, "Well, Betsy, you know this is narrative therapy. Right? <laughs> you know this is, as clinicians, this is the journey we take our clients yeah. to get this, you know, to rewrite their narrative and just put it you know, in the universe and not own it anymore." And and we were like, "Oh, okay, this is gonna work. This is exactly <laughs> what. This is a match made in heaven. So we're good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you're making me blush, but it's yeah. no, but it's 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 true because we can't really move forward until we understand where we've been and what we're doing. So, getting back to the youth that we're working with, when we're talking about homeless youth, how do you guys approach addiction? I think that? I think that's one of the hardest pieces that we have we offer here. Uh, our youth do come in; they know that they can come eat, shower, use the laundry and they're gonna ask for housing. Uh, the mental health, the substance use, the employment, that's all secondary and tertiary. They, it's all on the back burner. They, mm-hmm. they just want immediate needs. We really work like a, like a triage center here. We, you know, we're constantly triaging whether we need to find them a shelter for tonight or we need to find them a DMH bed. DMH is Department, Department of Mental Health. Department of Mental Health, yeah. yeah. And um, we see the substance use, we see the mental health, but when we immediately offer that service, they refuse it, or or they'll say yes, but first, can I please get a bed, or right. where can I sleep tonight? So that's the priority. And um, coming back to the mental health piece, we provide mental health services here, but we don't provide substance use treatment here. We have we refer out, we work with uh, other organizations like Phoenix and Tarzana Treatment Centers and Salvation Army, but it's that it's the constantly uh, having to reapproach them and using our skills here as clinicians or e- uh, motivational interviewing or just trying to get the youth engaged so we can get them into treatment. It is one of the hardest pieces because we see youth. We come from a, a background where we think that anyone that is homeless is going to 
take any help that they can get that we can provide and it doesn't always work out that way right. they it still become very selective of i'll do this but i won't do that i won't do well, this it goes group. back to not thinking that you're homeless right, right? because yeah. to not understanding where you are with that and trying to get an understanding of how bad their situation is is we see it but they just they don't see it right. just last um less than a week ago last uh friday we received notice that one of our youth was found dead <gasps> And uh, we know that this is one of our youth who was that was struggling with substance. We know that we were constantly behind her, working with her. She oh, had a full, full uh, FSP, full service, par- full service partnership team at another agency. We were collaborating with that agency. We were working with any type of treatment, any type of service, everything, and it, it just, it, it wouldn't click that she yeah. needed help, that she wanted it. Um, our youth are young. So they feel young, they feel energetic, and it's not till you're hitting 50 when you realize, oh my gosh, I need some <laughs> yeah. help lifting this up. Yeah. They don't understand their situation. So it was a hard hit for us, too. And we have youth sure. that pass away, or, or that may, we have youth that that been killed out in the field, out in the homeless, uh, who OD'd. We have youth that are, that, well, there was a youth that came to our drop-in center that was found hung in Palmdale, Lancaster area, oh, in front of our that, courthouse. Yeah, that was one of yours. Yeah, he was one of our youth, wow. and we know what the findings were, but many of our youth, we knew him. We knew his personality. We knew him as peers, as case managers, as employment specialists, as clinicians who worked with him, and we assessed for suicidality. We assessed for depression, We and just things don't match. So there's tons of variables. There's constantly worry about helping getting the youth to understand their situation. So each issue really is not like a single standalone issue. It's, but, it's but, layered. Right. The stereotype is that they're all on drugs, that they're homeless because they're on drugs. Substance use and mental health, what came first? You don't know, you know. Yeah. Are they using drugs to deal with the mental health or are they on drugs because they're mentally ill? Are they treating themselves? Are they medicating, you know? And we don't have time to filter that out. We're, we treat everything simultaneously, and but it also takes the client to understand yeah. the depth of their situation. Yeah, we were speaking with um, Philip Hargo just last mm-hmm, week, mm-hmm. and he's so you know he's so sweet, and I he is fully in charge of what he sees as his housing security. You know, mm-hmm. he was homeless for a long time, but it wasn't because of drugs, it wasn't because of anything. It was because he had a dream that he wanted to do. Yeah. And he was very clear about saying, I know the difference between myself and the people that are homeless because they have no other option. He said, I have options. You know, I could go back to Indiana, but yeah. this is where I want to be to accomplish this. And I thought that was an interesting distinction. Like, he was so self-aware yeah. of what that was. Yeah, California, we have... Um and we hear this a lot. We have the best weather for homelessness. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, and we have Hollywood, and we have the arts, and we have productions. We have tons and tons of youth that come out here to become music producers, to be dancers, to be models, to be performers, uh, artists, actors, and and we're trying to divert them from the homelessness system because it's so saturated and it's not what it used to be. It, it's there's waiting lists for every program practically. Yeah, I there's can imagine a, now for COVID too. COVID so, is like yeah, it was another layer. But we, so we try to divert them back and provide interventions and and say, hey, listen, if you want to go home, we can pay for that. Let's check in with your family. Let's see if everything's good. They don't have room for you. Are they willing to move into a two bedroom, three bedroom? We can pay security deposit. We can help with moving fees. 
for we'll pay for you to fly back. Oh, home. for the whole family. F- right. Wow. We, we have programs through yeah. LASA that can do that, and um, the youth, you know, they know my dreams have not been accomplished yet. Yeah. You know, so it's that invincibility yeah, thing again, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> you feel so the invincibility of youth, right? Yeah. And your services are hands-on because you have the showers, you have new clothes, you have food, mm-hmm. you have the counseling services, you right. have, what else am I getting? Employment specialists. Employment right. specialists, also access to computers and internet, mm-hmm. all of those things. And those are very hands-on. So in co- times of COVID, and especially right. when we have like the stay-at-home orders like we have now, mm-hmm. and you can't stay at home if you don't have a home. Right. So how are you g- giving those services? When our youth show up... Um, they are allowed to come in. It's just uh, that they're not allowed to hang around anymore, hang out. We used to, they used to be able to hang out. We'll pop in a movie while they're waiting for the shower, while they're waiting for the laundry, waiting their turn. While they wait, they would participate in groups. They can engage with the peers. They'll engage with case management. We're still providing all the services, but it's on a uh, grab-and-go. If they need to meet with the case manager or an employment specialist, then they make an appointment. It could be done through the phone, or they meet out here, or... You know, right. they want food, they come, let us know they need food. Okay, hold on right here, I'll go in and get it for you. And we don't have the buffet style that we normally have in the hot table. In the right. Now it's yeah, it's very nice, like, lunch counter that you yeah, have Yeah, we were yeah. able to. And we've built up these great relationships with community restaurants that that affected us, affected us hugely because they, Panda Express, for example, Kaiser Cafeteria, Food Finders, um, all the leftovers that these restaurants would have at the end of the day, they would put it together nicely, and we pick it up the next morning. Wow. COVID impacted these restaurants. Yeah, right. So we're not cooking in all this food anymore because we, and therefore we don't have any leftovers. Therefore we have nothing for you. You know, yeah. so we had to scramble and figure out ways to. How are you doing it? Well, we, we, it's twofold. Some doors closed, not shut completely, but there were other organizations who say, hey, how are you doing on food? We had grants that um, say, okay, this is for you to purchase transportation, uh, for you to use these things for the youth. But we know, and we told them, listen, I can't purchase transportation tap cards because it's free right now anyway. Right. And they worked with us saying, okay, given COVID, use that money for food. Oh, that's great. So, so they were able to change so it. So they, yeah. they, they switched around for us. So we said, okay, um, just make sure if you buy gift cards, it doesn't. it's strictly for food. They can't buy tobacco and alcohol lottery. And uh, so they worked with us. So we're transitioning to delivering the food. We're taking food out yeah. to the youth. We're taking, you know, our unique clothes. We'll take you the clothes. Our youth come here. I need a job. Okay, let's meet with the case manager. So everything is out here through the phone and condensed. They're, they're, they can come in to shower. They can come in to throw in their clothes uh, in the laundry. But now we, it's drop and go. So they throw yeah. it in there, start it. We Once it's washed, we take it out, put it in the dryer. We run a cycle of just bleach to disinfect the, the washer. We take their clothes out. Um, and then provide it for pickup later. So youth also don't want to be infected. So they know they're, the situation they're living in. So they're also afraid of the shutdown, the lockdown, because uh, many believe the rumor out there was that if you get stopped at, you know, after the curfew, you're going to get arrested. Many of our youth may have warrants for things like sleeping in the park, for sleeping at the beach. You know, they were asked to leave, so they got a ticket. The ticket turned into a warrant. So they're trying to avoid uh, the, uh, the police. They're trying to avoid. So our showers dropped. Our number of meals that we're providing dropped. Our laundry dropped. So in putting these reports together, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, our, our numbers are dropping. It's and a- our housing referrals, we don't see the traffic inside. So I don't see the youth walking by my office. Our housing referrals, our housing services, what we do to refer our youth to the, to YC, to the CES system, to LASA, to shelters, to referral programs, anything that, that re- for housing, that doubled. That doubled in this fiscal year 
before we even hit our June deadline, before the fiscal year is over, our mental health services quadrupled that from last year. Really? Wow, so virtual is working. So it's virtual is working. There's a lot more mental health issues. You know, anxiety sure. is over and depression I mean, you know, is... Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. dealing with that and we're not dealing with right. half of what they're dealing with. Right. You know? one, of our, <laughs> one of our youth said, who has anxiety and was treated for anxiety, she said, you know, I'm actually feeling a lot better. I said, oh, you're improving? Oh, no, 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 I'm not improving. Now the field has leveled. Everyone is anxious. <laughs> I completely feel like I'm in my... I feel more I'm normal. In, I'm, I'm normal, in my, yeah, normal has changed. I'm in my norm now. Everyone has messed up you know, with anxiety. So, you know. um, Our mental health services quadrupled. Mm. Uh, housing services doubled already before the year was over. We might have had other services drop, but mental health and substance use and uh, housing, they, they're, they're shooting over, up wow. through the roof. That's wonderful that you were still able to to provide that and that they knew to come here and Mm. to work through you to get there. Right. You were saying that you are going out to the people that need it. So how do you find people and how do you know, how do you find your youth? Yeah, so we're doing outreach. We have programs established through housing that work with the community colleges. The the statistics are staggering of how many community college students are, are homeless, live in their cars. Through Measure H funds, we have our housing program is working with community colleges to help find you know shelter and provide services to community college students. We were able to go set up shop at the community colleges, but due to COVID, that's been that's been tabled. So it's yeah, uh, right we, because they're online too. We're going out to safe parking spaces through lots of programs where people can park safely. There's showers and there's bathrooms there. Oh, uh, really? So, so like if you're if you're living in your car, you can go and you can park there. Right. Yeah. And they have oh, that's interesting. And then yeah. and. Uh, we're going out to hotspots that we know where our youth stay. And that's changed. We, we've had programs and we've developed five, six, seven pages of a list of locations where the hotspots are. When COVID hit, it all disappeared. And we're thinking, what happened? The Metrolink station in Burbank was what the hotspot for, for homeless youth. Youth stayed together. Mm-hmm. And we go by and it's not there anymore. I go and I find some of our youth and they come back and I go, hey, you were staying, you used to stay at the uh, Burbank station. What happened? Oh, no, they cleaned it up. Now they're hiding. They don't want homeless people, youth, staying so close together. They don't want a congestion of people in a place who may not be very hygienic while people are waiting for the train. So um, they're basically cleaning these spaces up. But what they're actually doing, they're just pushing them in. You know, we took a, a trip there two weeks ago to the area where we took hygiene kits, where we took food, where we took uh, food gift cards, we took snacks, non-perishable foods, and to, because now we're hunting, we're looking for where the youth's staying. We took one of our youth with us, and he pointed things out. He said, listen, so I'm not going to go in there with you, and I really don't recommend you go right now. But do you see that that big building right there? That one is abandoned. But if you go to the back, there's a big sliding door, and you push hard Someone's going to push back. They're not going to let you in. But if you're homeless, they'll let you in. So they're moving into abandoned warehouses. They're moving because they're finding a lot of businesses that have been abandoned now because people lost businesses. A lot of nightclubs, a lot of bars, a lot of uh, restaurants are at least able to serve to go. But now you have other businesses who completely went under. And and they've become shelters, They've become shelters, right. Wow. um, he swore me to secrecy. He said, well, yeah, <laughs> so <this> it's, it, <laughs> well, he's but, right because other, you know, if you expose it, then. So you know, I said, well, we're going to yeah. do, I said, we'll do, we'll just leave all this stuff out there. He was like, no, because then that means that someone knows that, that they're, they're there. there. And I said, oh. But these are kids that are going to school. 
right? Students? Some. Some? Some, yeah. Some, but, uh, you know, are they, do they have jobs? I mean, do they have... We, these are a lot, a lot of the youth that we found that didn't have jobs or couldn't hold down jobs or were substance users. Uh, recently, we're getting a lot of other youth who are homeless who do have jobs and uh, they need help. The youth that are, they're high functioning, higher acuity, who don't have a very active mental health or not, or substance use, who are able to hold down their a job. They're not impaired, they're functioning. They're coming for help to keep their job. I need clean clothes for work. I need, they transfer me from this warehouse to that warehouse and they require steel toe shoes and I don't have that. Oh, okay, I can help you get that. Just give me some type of proof quickly. And so we're, we are getting a lot of youth who are, who are reaching out, asking for help to be able to keep, to keep those what jobs. they're functioning with now. Also, um, online school, because a lot of what you did was you had tutors here and you had um, internet service so they could attend right. online schools. Pre-COVID, we had LAUSD three to four times a week here. They would come, set up in an office, and if um, having not just someone to refer to, but just having literally having LAUSD here with their computer and they could just check really quick where you're at. How many credits do you need? Where's your statements? Where can I request your transcripts from? Um, even if it was from out of state or a different uh, school district, it was extremely helpful. Oh, I got my GED already, or I did graduate high school. Well, let's talk about tech school. Let's talk about community college. Let's talk about, you know, what's your dream? What are your goals? Well, I don't have money for the application. Don't worry, we'll waive it because of this or because of that. Or, and if it wasn't waived, the drop-in center could we can pay help pay these fees. We also had uh, we had LAUSD come by here. We have a Medi-Cal office. We're co-located with the. Uh, uh, the clinic that provides medical services, dental, and they have member services that help youth and their members get Medi-Cal. So we were constantly working with our youth, making sure that they get Medi-Cal. So they had Medi-Cal, they had education, mm-hmm. they had college services and job services, right? So mm-hmm. all those things. So now and DCFS, we, we would work What's directly DCF- with Department of Children and Family Services uh-huh. for youth that were in foster care. They're entitled to additional services. They're entitled to uh, to have their case reopened. Uh, many youth age out because they've been in foster care so long, and at 18 years old, they're dying to get out because they're going to make it on their own. And I don't know if they're, the system failed them to, to inform them that how well they can be continue to have assistance or uh, independent living programs and how they can benefit from it. But these youth, many of the youth that were in foster care aged out, signed themselves out, and have a difficult time and become homeless. Right. So we work with getting them their cases reopened so they can qualify for additional programs. To be that bridge to adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We were thinking, well, when COVID is over, the youth will come back. Well, there's youth who hit 24, 25 years old and aged out. So there's also new homeless youth that don't know that where we're at. They, they don't know what we do. They don't know that we're here. So there's going to be almost a relaunching of our drop-in center of our services because we already heard people in the streets say, oh my God, I stayed in the park a mile away from you for a whole year, didn't know you were there, that I could have gone over to shower every day. And you have youth who are runaways and who leave home because of their situation. And then we have the throwaway youths, youth who, who are kicked out for being LGBTQ, for being trans, for being for not abiding by their religion, parents' religion, you know, so it's it's a little bit of everything. So. so we've heard about the kids that kind of fall through the cracks. We've heard about the, the boy up in Lancaster. We've heard about the youth that passed away. 
But the kids that we're dealing with, the youth that we're dealing with in this program, all seem to have come through. They seem mm. to be such success stories. Oh, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about some of the success stories of the ones that we've worked with, but also in general of your program? At the beginning, I really thought success was what I consider to be success. Not using anymore, having their own job, their own place, so a place to live, a roof over their head, uh, a job, school, finish high school. And very few actually were able to accomplish one or two of those things. I'm realizing that um, success is, um, for example, one of our youth that I just talked talk to, he's still smoking weed uh, because it's legal and it calms him down, he says. So. <laughs> and uh, um, he's got a job. He also has a place to live. He has a roommate that he's always fighting with. And he is enjoying his job. He's loving his job. He's still not back in school to finish his high school degree, his high school diploma, but he's working on it now. And when I compare to where he was when he came, the first day I met him, he had he had 15 stitches in his head. He very skinny. He was using more than just marijuana. He was sleeping at the Tahunga Wash. Had no identity with no no identifying documents with him. No um, ID, no birth certificate. He had nothing. Absolutely not. So it wasn't even starting about let's get you to back in school. It was, okay, let's start from the beginning. Let's get you your social security card so we can get you your ID card so we can get you your birth certificate. Wow. So we can then enroll you because with that, it was hard to enroll on us also. So then, you know, so when I compare where he's at now to where he was two years ago, three years ago, that's success, you know. It's, that's a huge yeah. success. That's yeah. from admitting that you're nobody to mm-hmm. becoming somebody. That's right. a that's a huge success. Yeah. And to understand that they're going to continue to make mistakes. It's funny. I have these when these two youth come, I know that they're here because from the front door they yell, "Mother, we're here!" You know, <laughs> and I know exactly who it is. You know, because they know mm-hmm. that I'm going to ask, "What happened to this? I thought you were going to do that." You know, but it's <laughs> they've made me understand that it's. Um, they may take three steps forward, two steps back, three t- steps forward. And it's uh, because I like them all and I just want to just shake them and say, yeah, you know, just know, do what right? I tell you to do and you'll be fine, you know. And each Polite. each each client, each Tay is so different from the last so that I can imagine that their needs are so different. So mm-hmm. there's like you really can't have a uniformity of right. how you deal with each individual and mm-hmm. you know, that they're, they're a different person with different needs. And so yeah, there will be youth that come through here and take advantage of every single program and will say, what else can you can I do? What else can yeah. you give me? What else? You know, and that youth will immediately will work with us for a job. We'll work getting back to school. And because he's doing that, he qualifies for another program that we can help get him a cell phone. Yeah. Well, how come you got him a cell phone? You didn't give me, you don't come, you don't, you're not working the program. It's like AA. You yeah. have to work the steps to benefit and, re, you know, the So it's a, it's a meritocracy in, in, right. in one sense that if you make it through one level of, of improving your situation, you get to go to the next right, level right. and you get more. It is because you have to, we're not going to, you walk into the doors, you're calling you right now. There's obvious mental health issues and there's some substance use. And um, we're not going to put you in an apartment because we're not going to set you up to fail. We don't want to temporarily fix. It's not shelter. It's a, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's not just a shelter. It's a, a Why does he have an apartment? Why'd you put me in a shelter? It's yeah. because he has a job and he's going to school full time. And we can extend his program and he's working the program, you know. So. God, it really is like parenting. One thing that coronavirus caused... Um, it, ma- it made us, it caused us to shift our thinking and, and really find what's available online. And um, there's so many GED programs online. And there's so, you know, well, there, there's a GED program, the online program where you could 
do your GED testing really completely online, online right now. Yes. Wow. So, um, so that's and it's fairly inexpensive, and it falls within wow. the, the drop-in center means. So, if anybody wants to finish their GED, they no longer need to go attend another school, or right. we'll help them enroll in a in a um, programs like Learn for Life. Uh, the Goodwill has also a school program. You know, now you could do it on your own um, because all school is online now that qualifies for us to be able to help them get a laptop to continue your studies to we'll continue to pay your monthly pay for uh fee for your ged program as long as you can check in with us and we can continue to do it so it's um, wow that's fantastic there's new opportunities as well yeah it's interesting right it made us it made us up our game too yeah we really yeah life just stopped and took a sharp right turn yeah or left turn or U-turn or something, but <laughs> it just, but we didn't move forward. <laughs> well, because you have, but the thing is, is I, I think when you do something as important as you do, you have to find, you have right. to find a way to make it work. It just has to. There's no other yeah, choice. This isn't sales, yeah. you know, like yeah. this isn't the quota of how many, you know, people we got to answer the phone or how many, you know, these are people's lives. Yeah. These are, these are, you know, and apparently their lives are at stake. You yeah. know, since I've been here. I know there have been four deaths, you know, since I've worked at the drop-in center. Wow. And uh, we were just talking about that yesterday. We they, um, And they were, four were, all four, well, I can say there's speculation that it wasn't an OD, that it wasn't suicide, that it wasn't, oh, you know, really? they were, you know, so um, that, that we can say that our youth are at risk of being killed, of dying out in the streets. Um, and then you add the LGBT youth who run an even bigger, you know, all homeless youth run at our risk. But then you have the LGBT youth, you have trans women. We have our trans youth out there as well who are just, it doubles, it triples the, the, the risk of, of violence and being wow. hurt and being, you know, killed. So <clears throat> there's, there's such um, risk out there. And what I like what Connect the Pot is doing, it's changing that, the, the narrative and it's changing how we think about homeless youth yeah. because you're right I was just talking to someone not too long ago who was a friend of mine and uh, you know they just need to get their shit together they just need to stop you know this generation is so me 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 and then um, but they don't understand the multiple trauma that, that oh, people have gone through yeah. it's it, hard it, enough for us <laughs> to hold it together to keep this thing called adulting you know going yeah. you know and for people with such, you know, history of trauma that... I, I don't even know how they're holding it together. Like, the, the the youth that we've worked with, so Gail and Lupe and Daniel, their stories are so difficult, you know, especially Lupe's, at, you know, and Daniel's too. I mean, it, the, but across the board, the one thing that so impresses me about all of them that we're working with is they're so empathetic. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. To, like, they're, you know, there there is that... I have to take care of myself, but they are so understanding and so empathetic of, of their peers. You know, mm-hmm. Gail wants to bring everybody in and make yeah. sure that they all get an opportunity, you know, and they're just open and so sweet to each other. When it's the youth nice. were receiving their, um, when uh, the, the stimulus check, so I'm thinking, okay, how do we teach them to manage this money? Because, mm. and the checks were coming here because they used uh, our, our address for mail, and um, we wanted to teach how to open a bank account and how to um how much to use and how much to spend a week and what's your budget and it was gone within a week and then i asked you know what happened to that money you know and they said well we got a hotel room 
And so I'm me, I'm thinking what I used to get hotel rooms for. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> I said, yeah, so I got a, I got a hotel room so f- because four of our, our friends who were in the streets so we can have a place to shower and sleep through the night for at mm. least two or three days. And wow. I'm thinking, well, you could have gone, gone a hotel room at the Notel Motel and get it for maybe a whole week for you. But they don't, you know, it's like, no, I got four or five of my friends to stay together for two or three days. Yeah. So we can all shower, so we can all sleep, wow. so we can all, you know, sleep without worrying that the cops are going to pick us up or take us out or yeah. or safety, you know. So rather than worrying about themselves for a so longer it's amount of time, yeah, so they take care of more people for less yeah. time. Yeah. And then, and, and um, because they all got their checks at different times, yeah, so they, if yeah. they got a check, so. Wow. Well... Welp. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. Is there anything else that you want to cover that we haven't? Um, no, I think I, I don't know until you start asking me. <laughs> that opens up. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, but it's been great. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a, um, it, it's such an opportunity to be able to work with not just the youth, but also with people like, like you and, and programs that are really helping out who, who are really helping change uh, prejudices, attitudes, uh, you know, just the, the perspective. Yeah. Because it, I get that question a lot, and I know we've talked about it. You might even recorded me on it that, uh, well, what can we do to end homelessness? And it drives me insane because, you know, can we bring some sandwiches? I, uh, <laughs> that will that end, will be half an hour of ending homelessness. Great for hung, <laughs> yeah. hunger for yeah, yeah for dinner. I said, but um, it's it's I can't. It's hard to answer. But what really works is finding in your area what community center church drop-in center is providing services because then you relieve them for that day you relieve their resources what ends up happening someone um, you go out you provide food that day and now you the aid the drop-in center was also set to provide food that day and now there's too much food or oh you know, yeah right so, so you're we, not really helping right it's so just, it and it's um yeah so f- call your local in church or salvation army or goodwill or drop-in centers or um, Los Angeles Housing Service Authority, LASA, they can tell you where the drop-in centers are. So just directing them to us would yeah. is a huge help. Yeah. yeah. That's where people need to. People are afraid to help because they don't think they're going to make an impact. Again, it's just what you can do, do that day. You know, what you did for that person that day made, made a huge impact already. I, thank you for checking in. I really just thought, you know, we'd been dealing with so many issues and different angles that we were finally trying, starting to understand. And I just wanted our listeners to have that yeah. same opportunity to understand more about oh, the yeah. youth that we're working with. The stories of Great. the day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh the, right. the bunch. <laughs> the bunch. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank Alejandro. you. <laughs> If you would like to support our program, and after we finish up here in July, we'll be heading over to the International Rescue Committee, please go to connectapod.net. Thanks in advance. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.